0: Welcome to Notes from the Field, brought to you by Noeo Science. Howdy.
1: How are you? Good. How are you? Hey, doing all right. Good to be here. It is great to be back. It's been a while. Yeah. 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 Welcome back to Stateside. Thank you. I like that hat. Oh, yeah. Who's that on there? That's a collared lizard. Eastern collared lizard. Okay. Okay. Was thinking something like that. Yeah. Fabulous creature. Well, well
0: um, yeah, our topic today is pretty straightforward, real simple. And something um, we all like to do. Yeah, we like that. And it also has to do with uh, our experiences. And uh, I was just thinking about um, both of us relating any stories of animals, wild, preferably, but if we run out, we can go captive. Yeah. Um, of animals feeding mm-hmm. and not just often when we look at, you know, in a nature documentary, it always increases ratings when you get animals doing something, not just standing there walking or running. Right. Although that's, that's cool. Mm-hmm. But when they are actually doing something, some kind of behavior, like feeding behavior or courtship behavior, something like that, that yeah. always is just uh real interesting. So. What I thought we could do is just um, talk about some of the nuances of the feeding, not just mm-hmm. this animal ate this mm-hmm. bug or this mouse or whatever. Yeah, but some of the the details, yeah, the subtle details of the the behavior of of the process of ingesting. Of course, it relates to another topic we've talked about or touched on is the natural evil. We don't have to unpack that so much is to just basic notes from the field. Yeah. No, I like um, it. Natural history. Who
1: doesn't like eating or, t- or talking about eating? Yeah. You might get hungry during this episode. Yeah. keep your Bring your snacks. Well, you might Go get, get, get unhungry too. Right? I mean, <laughs> Depending on your tendency. Exactly. Right? Yeah. <laughs> cool. And, you know,
0: with nature docs, it's it's often these exotic or yeah, charismatic charismatic megafauna that yeah. are, you know, eating something fantastic, something you just don't see. Mm-hmm. And of course that like a great white shark coming out of the water in slow motion, taking out a, a sea lion and you know, the, that's just fantastic. And, uh, hardly anybody gets to see it unless right. it's captured by BBC, uh, photographers. Yeah. Or, or, or cannon press d- or Or a guerrilla poet. And yes, guerrilla
1: poet uh,
0: videographers. Exactly. Absolutely. But this, so this will be a little bit more down home, you know, Uh, not so- uh, Speak for yourself. Well, maybe you've, (laughs) yeah, maybe you've got some fantastic stuff. I mean, you've been up there- I'm not opposed to down home.
1: The the Arctic Circle. You've probably got some (laughs) amazing things up there. (laughs) This is a fun topic. It just, you know, it's fun for us because it allows us to, uh, to think back to some, uh, phenomenal experiences we, we got to have. And, you know, um, I drive my sweet wife nuts because the things that I remember are not always the most practical and helpful, but any experience of, of animal behavior that's, that's, is unique. Oh, it's burned into my brain. I know uh, that the details will fade a little bit, but it's yeah. still really, yeah. it sticks. It really does. Really hard. Which is which I'm thankful for. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let's get after it. Okay. Uh, Well, I'll I'll, let you go first. Okay. Um, So almost all of mine are going to be birds, I think, today. But and almost all of mine are going to be reptiles (laughs) or amphibians. (laughs) Do you have some amphibian ones? Mm -hmm. Okay, good. Um, So I I will start actually up in the not quite to the Arctic Circle, um, but in the Bering Sea. Uh, where I spent a field season on St. George Island, which is one of the Pribilof Islands, uh, home of the northern fur seals there, home of a lot of of seabirds. A lot of seabird species call this home. This is 75% of the world's population of red-legged kittiwakes are on St. George Island. Wow. 75% of the world's. Um, and uh, over 200 species of birds nest there. It's a, it's a wow. remarkable place. The cliffs go. Yeah, up you to... mentioned.
0: I think you've mentioned it on another episode. Yeah, I think I so. Forget, I forget. So what, a, what, a lo- what the topic was?
1: But... A lot of my bird jobs have been actually watching feeding. Paid, wow! paid oh, to, man! Paid to watch. Well, the feeding. I really picked the good topic. Uh, yeah. So and <laughs> and watching birds feed is just it's just fun. It's interesting. Um, and uh, sometimes uh, you know sometimes it can get messy. And so this is more of a uh, this is more of a post feeding um, and maybe uh, uh, the opposite process for these birds that I'm going to mention first here. The the birds I'm going to mention are the least auklet. The least auklet is one of the smallest of the alcid's. Uh, alcid's are seabirds. Uh, typically, we think of the puffins as kind of the iconic alcid's, but also mers. Um, mm-hmm. And they they're mostly uh, mostly northern hemisphere. Kind of polar and subpolar regions, and here the least auklet, little guy. Most of these auklets dive deep for copepods and other types of crustaceans, mm-hmm. little tiny, you know, um, roly poly bugs of the sea and yeah, other type crayfish-like yeah. little creatures. And so uh, we were on Saint George, and uh, these little least auklets they leave in mass from their crevices in the su- at, right after sunrise, and then they come back in mass at sunset. And Are so- they? cliff nesters unusual usually they're cliff nesters this this was an inland uh, population that nested in this boulder field okay and so so we hid among the boulders because we wanted to know what they ate okay so we hid among the boulders and waited for them to come back and we were armed with our crab nets okay you know just a pole with a ring and a net on it and so as they came back we 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 basically jumped up and swung and tried to ca- catch as many least auklets as we as we could, and we we actually caught some with that terrible wow. method. Right, and one of the the benefits of the least auklet, something about its digestion, maybe maybe they're sensitive. Um, as soon as you get the bird in your hand, uh, they regurgitate. Ah. and so they regurgitated a whole bunch of copepods, mostly r- copepods, mostly copepods. At Anything least else? W- at least with my my crude eyeball as the instrument of identification. I'm not too good with those mm-hmm. marine crustacean groups. Yeah, um, yeah. But we sent, we we bought, we put them in vials and right. put them in a cooler and sent them to the lab to get taxonom- right. taxonomically mm-hmm. identified. Great. And um,
0: for those of you who don't know copepods, you can just uh, type if you're wanting to Google it. It's C-O-P-E-P-O-D. Copepods, real important food and source you can in just the Google marine it environment. And click on images and pick up. And they're they're usually pretty small crustaceans with yeah. long antennae, sort of a teardrop shaped body with a bulb, uh, more of a, a bulbous front end that mm. tapers off to the back with some long filaments in the back, and then long antennae at the front, look like handlebars. Excellent. Um, yeah, they're cool little little marine plankton. That's yeah. a, a big part, of zooplankton, big part of uh, the food of the food web. Yeah, in in marine ecosystems, you know, I'm going to start real simple, kind of going in chronological order. When I was a kid, I think in junior high, went up to my friend's house at the cabin. We went fishing. Got up at five in the morning. And, uh, fish tell two. And I mean, there was no limit on pumpkin seed fish that we were fishing at Shepherd Lake up, up near Ponterey. They're pretty northern, Yeah. And all we had to do, I mean, it was, there was no skill involved. You just put a little piece of earthworm on your hook, drop it down. And almost immediately, uh, we could see the, we could see the fish come up to our, our worms. And of course, this is not the normal food item. So this is semi, this is not n- natural feeding mm-hmm. there. Uh, but what's interesting about the behavior is the suction, you know, because we could see the fish take in the worm mm-hmm. rather than swim up and grab it. Mm-hmm. They would hover right in front of the worm and then hoover cool. it in. Oh, and cool. uh, That's really yeah, cool. Yeah, was just neat. You see your little hook go in the mouth and yeah. then you pull it up. We caught so many fish. It was ridiculous. Uh, we, we, we had to clean them all too. And <laughs> some of those little delicate, bags. those delicate but, um, bony
1: fish, their mouths really are delicate.
0: Yeah. And, uh, um, nimble. but anyway, that was, uh, I'll, since that's just, I just noticed that whether it's that the whole sun, f- sunfish family, yeah. uh, I think does that, uh, suction feeding. Mm-hmm. There's some, also some salamanders that do that too. Like the, uh. Hellbenders that live in nice flowing clean streams in the eastern united southeastern United States mm-hmm. self, uh suck um they'll do the suction feeding where they literally are really close to a crayfish and then they just <gasps> <gasps> yeah,
1: kind of like in. some of those um wide mouth frogs mm-hmm. that go cannibalistic occasionally when their ponds dry down they just suck each other right in <clears throat> wow,
0: so the little bit more. I'll I'll jump to box turtles.
1: No. Yeah. What? Yeah. Have you seen them?
0: You know what's what's amazing is after, <laughs> you know, three full field seasons of box turtles. Uh <laughs> yeah, and that's, hardly that's street cred. I mean, yeah, but what's amazing this is why feeding is is kind of cool to notice in the wild, because here I was doing my PhD on the box turtles and I hardly ever saw one feeding hmm. I mean when I was out looking and I had a pretty good search image because I was looking for them diligently and um, I would you know well over 90 percent of the time, 95 probably percent of the time when I found them, they were just sitting there looking at me or they were under the leaves if I had to uh, track them through radio telemetry and I'd pull them up but generally they were doing nothing. And so really studying the behavior, you really have to be, you have to be hidden generally to, that's why nature documentary cinematographers often have to be in blinds to, to get in so undercover so that their presence isn't.
1: Doesn't disrupt the whole thing.
0: Yeah. It doesn't disrupt. So the turtle is usually just sitting there or tucked in because here's this big blundering human that appears on the scene and whatever they're doing interrupting their meal yeah Uh, if they had a meal yeah so a few times i've i've seen a, a box turtle feeding one was actually after i was done with my project i was already out in idaho and i had gone back for a visit and went back to my turtle site and i found one feeding uh on an earthworm but once when i was actually doing the field research um there was an earthworm out on the leaf litter. Naturally, I didn't have to stage it, you know. And box turtles in the wild don't mess around. You, it's just it was just interesting because I've had a number of pet box turtles, and they're just such slovenly, lazy eaters. Generally, they've been
1: encap- domesticated. Yeah, they're just accustomed you know, to easy living. Lost and the you, rigor. Put,
0: you put the food in there. Sometimes they 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 attack their food with verve, but often they're you plop the worm there, and it might not even be moving much. And they they slowly inch up, but they don't want to put too much effort into it. That entitlement, you comes know, up yeah, quick, and it? that yeah. The, the neck lazy stretches bumps. out, and uh, sometimes they're so reluctant to actually move their whole body. It reminds me of the proverb, you know, the sluggard buries his hand in the ditch, and he's too, I mean, into the dish. He's too lazy to bring it back to his mouth. The uh, box. <laughs> it's a great image. captive. It's a captive box turtle. So he reaches out. It's like, I don't even want to move my body. So I'm just going to see if I can stretch my head farther and farther. And then they take a lunge at this very sedentary worm and miss. They miss. And they they take a lunge again and they miss again. And then they finally get it and the worm wiggles. And then they chomp it in two. And then they can't even, and it's stuck on the outside of their face. Oh, that's and they're, sad. And they're not... That's sad. And they're just really clumsy. Yeah. Now, this might be there, there might be other factors like their temperature wasn't up and they're not as coordinated. But so I'm sure there's other factors besides being in captivity, but they're generally just not very savvy.
1: Yeah. This guy needs to get out in the woods and get, but man, when I retrained. see a box
0: turtle in the woods come on a worm, I mean, they don't mess around. They just come up really fast and aggressive and just wham. And they oh sw- cool yeah it's just a, a stark
1: stark contrast. That's a great that's a great um, um,
0: comparison. Yeah, it was a very hmm. very vivid comparison for me to see them in action in the wild, hmm. and that's why um, you know I I have snakes generally for uh, if I have pets they're low maintenance but they often and not fast moving snakes. Because most of these sit and wait ambush type predators just usually sit under a rock most of the time. Yeah, and so when you have them in captivity, they're not doing a whole lot different than what they normally do. Yeah. Whereas uh, so many other captive animals, you really you're putting a lot of restrictions on them that I just don't like. Yeah. There's there's something about it. I mean, I'm not against captive animals. I've got four snakes, but. There's something that just sort of takes away the glory, oh
1: yeah, absolutely
0: an animal an doing animal it
1: in its habitat doing its thing, thing ah. is just
0: so much more glorious, so much more glorious to see it doing its thing, mm-hmm. and they do it with a whole lot more finesse, yeah, than when they're just sitting there now, I have to say, my corn snake uh is quite an aggressive eater mm. um when i Will he put- constrict well. Yeah, sometimes, but it's a, it's a dead mouse that I'm hanging from, I open the lid and I lower the, the thawed out mouse down in, mm-hmm. and he comes out of his hidey hole really quickly and just wham, hits nice. it. Nice. Um, do you so do that during class? Your students get to see Sometimes that? I do it, yeah. you know, if it's feeding Jake. them to them. But yeah, you know, there is just something more glorious about him. Absolutely. Uh, in nature. So
1: yeah, go ahead. That's good stuff. Um, well, uh, I've just got to kind of, my, my stories, my stories tend to be shorter. Uh, yeah. you're, you're, you could, you're a good storyteller. Um, oh, and no. so I would just, I'm going to throw a couple out there. Um, just little bits and pieces. I, I've, I've watched a lot of birds and songbirds, especially songbirds are kind of the pinnacle of, of bird migration watching, um. And so, uh, but I'm going to bring up a couple of woodpeckers first, just oh, because yeah, yeah. they're a little bit different. Mm-hmm. The, uh, not all woodpeckers are only hatcheting away at the tree right. they're, they're, they're standing on, um, but some have some different types of feeding strategies. Like probably the, the flick- most well, fl- yeah, the that, probably the most well known is uh, in North America, at least is the flicker, northern flicker. One of the most common woodpeckers across the nation lives in a lot of urban areas like our town. You, you probably have northern flickers in your town. I mean flickers are interesting uh, in that they typically don't chisel into the the wood of a tree that b- their favorite place to eat is on the ground when they find an anthill. Right. And I remember one time my um, the location of my old office in town, a building you know well, mm-hmm. there was a group of maybe four or five uh, flickers next to each other all eating at an anthill together. Oh wow. And so they'll they'll form pretty good sized groups or flocks. And they'll stand at the edge of the anthill and just stick out that really long tongue and start snapping up ants. On the surface of the anthill
0: or do they yeah, just go uh, like an anteater and um, stick their tongue down into a a hole? Uh,
1: I was not watching that closely. I right. would say from my my vantage point, it seemed that they were just picking them off the surface. Neat. I wouldn't be surprised if they went, uh, went a little bit more intrusive there yeah. though too. The other woodpecker that stands out to me is interesting. It's always interesting. When you read about a creature feeding in one way, and then you see it feed a different way. Right, right. Uh, So, uh, every creature kind of has its primary food, its primary means or or mode of eating. Uh, The yellow-bellied sapsucker, sapsuckers are a a group, a subgroup of woodpeckers. Mm -hmm. Uh, In our region, we have the red-naped sapsucker. A lot of the eastern U.S. and Canada has the yellow Yellow-bellied sapsucker, which is kind of a a fun slur to throw out at someone if they're lazy, (laughs) yellow-bellied sapsucker. then sapsuckers are known for really uh, drilling series of holes in trees and just letting the sap run. Right. And they'll lick that sap up. But I I remember in spring migration once in college, there's a little tiny nature reserve in the middle of our campus or at the edge of our campus. Um, And there's a lake. And there's woods and there's a there's kind of a visitor center there. And, and we always went there to bird watch and we put up some bluebird houses there, et cetera. Um, but I remember in spring, spring migration, watching this yellow-bellied sapsucker. There was such a proliferation of insects. Uh, mm-hmm. ha- a hatch had just occurred of some type, maybe 20 feet up in the tree, maybe 30. And we were watching there. There were some, you know, ruby crowned kinglets flitting around. And there's this yellow-bellied sapsucker that was fly catching.
0: Oh wow. That it was neat. fly
1: catching, like many songbirds do, perching and then and then flying out and snapping up an insect out of the air. And this was a yellow bellied sapsucker fly catching. Neat. And so it was just fun to yeah, see. Oh, I totally had neat. no idea that they would do that. Yeah. Uh, have but- you
0: seen like uh swifts and swallows, you know, where they're hawking the, the skies and presumably catching insects, but it's probably pretty hard to see yeah. them. They're just like yeah, yeah and some of those th-
1: that are zooming some through of the, the air. swallows are just not shy either. I've been on a riding mower and had the swallows just kind of trailing me, snapping up insects uh-huh. uh as i as I mow the tall grass. oh wow,
0: yeah when uh, just curious said you know a little bit more about feeding behavior on the the nighthawks when when I was on fire crew uh in the twilight summer twilight evening uh. On the our forest fire crew mm-hmm. uh, camp, we'd go down to the horseshoe. horseshoe we play pit. Hor- yeah, horseshoe pit, we'd, yeah, uh, underneath a stand of ponderosa pines. It was up in the northern oh, man. central Washington, oh, making me long for summer here. Oh, I know. And we would hear the nighthawks dive, oh, and, I, we're, cool. we're the, and they would just sigh. They would just rip through the air and make a like a tie fighter from Star Wars sound. I mean. It would literally, the turbulence of the air as it would come out of its dive would just go, you know. It wow, just
1: how low are they going? Really close to the ground, but I didn't wow. know if they were, if it was feeding behavior. I haven't seen nighthawks come that low before. I've seen, a, I saw a bizarre thing. I saw a flock of migrating nighthawks once low to the ground, but most of the nighthawks I've observed are really high. Okay. And I could just hear them and then look up and see them. But almost all of them ab- above the roof line. Okay, most well, these of my would dive and then pull out of the dive, and that is yeah. interesting. It was just, I assume they were feeding, but I would assume so too. That time of year, probably p- post post mating. Yeah. Cool. This this other interesting thing. This is a herp.
0: I was uh, a kid. I don't remember what kind of salamander it was. It was in Moscow, Idaho, and you know I don't think it was a a long-toed salamander, even though that's the most common salamander here. But I remember putting a pretty big worm in front of it. And the salamander grabbed the front end of the earthworm. And it was, it was the funniest thing because the worms, the diameter of the worm was at least the diameter of the head of the salamander. And the worm, I don't know if it was a reflex or what, but the worm just felt like, okay, my front end, my head is in the burrow. And this- Oh my- and this worm, which was big <laughs> compared to the salamander, just went whoosh and just went. I mean, it propelled itself down the salamander's throat. And if 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 ever you a, missed the cue, man. If, if ever a salamander abort, abort abort mission. If ever a salamander could have the. A very surprised expression. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that salamander did. It was just sitting there in this thing that looked like a log, you know, like a, a like a telephone pole going down my throat. <laughs> this salamander was just, whoa. And this, this wow. worm just went shooting down its throat. And I could see its belly just go whoa! and inflate. And I, that was just a, a funny experience. That is cool. But um, I'm trying
1: to think of, anything else i uh, yeah i i can jump in here with yeah, another one um you know a lot of my a lot of my work uh was was watching feeding behavior watching rate of feeding and that kind of thing mm-hmm. uh, and one uh one in particular interesting bird uh that's pretty pretty rare in the world is the yellow-billed loon uh there's about five hmm. species of loons they're circumpolar and in distribution t- tend to be kind of northern far northern temperate uh zone and uh in this one job we were we were watching three different loon species but the yellow billed is the biggest of the loons it even is larger than the common loon. they're such neat looking oh, they're remarkable yeah. they are just beautiful birds they like some other bird species they have some weird characteristics um kind of like you know the penguins or the murs or some other alcids they're very they're very heavy bodied birds. They do not have perforated or hollow bones with struts like many other birds do. They're, Don't they ride lower bones. in the water? They ride very low. And so and from a distance, if you're used to seeing waterfowl like ducks or geese, you can tell it's a loon because it's riding low. It's the low rider. It's like a submarine that's, that's right. on the surface. You know, <laughs> that's right. Not yeah. like a boat. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Ready to go down. And so they do ride low and their legs are very far back on their bodies in mm-hmm. fact they cannot walk on land they can't walk and they can only walk when they're taking off on the water and they take a very long distance to get off because they're dense because dense they're so dense yeah and so um uh, loons they they have to they will occasionally get on land and pull themselves from one location to another which is a very rare rare event i got to see one time but these yellow-billed loons yellow-billed loons kind of like the common loon is the is, you know, the iconic Northern Minnesota bird. Mm-hmm. It has this really beautiful and kind of haunting uh, song that you might hear yep. in an evening on a lake. Um, and the yellow billed loon is very similar in its size and coloration, but it has this almost dagger-like dull yellow and uh, angled up bill, more angled than any of the other loons. And so mm-hmm. we were observing these birds on on pretty large lakes they tend to prefer. And we are observing the, the rate of feeding of their two chicks. And so these birds will dive and feed their chicks and they're, they're feeding them sticklebacks. Okay. Yeah. This really common, uh, Northern temperate zone type. Maybe, maybe it's elsewhere in the world. I'm not sure. This little tiny bait fish, you might call them. And they're scooping up these uh, sticklebacks and feeding their young. Um, and so I remember just sitting there, sitting there watching the yellow loon feeding, uh, uh, it's it's two almost always two uh, hatchlings. They lay two eggs, uh, two hatch. Usually one survives because of mm-hmm. the, the harshness of the conditions. We are studying maybe uh, the the hypothesis that is there is there not enough food for two chicks. Is that right. is that one of the right. the, the causes of this? Uh, you know, one chick succeeding most of the time. But I just remember sitting there slapping mosquitoes, listening to you know the NPR out of Barrow, Alaska, and watching the yellow-billed loon oh, feed wow. it, feed its chicks uh, on the on the tundra now
0: did you ever see puffins eat anchovies or anything like I that i saw a couple puffins with, with you beaks know that, full that of, iconic look of the the drooping the bait drooping, fish all the fish sticking out of and the puffins and they can just mouth.
1: they're they're so they're really, their bills such are so a deep.
0: deep it is it really is to see I, all these fish hanging out of a puffin and their their beaks are just so beautiful so beautiful it's i like saw this a, northern toucan you know yeah like a, that's
1: exactly uh, right except
0: a small smaller bill
1: yeah no i saw a couple of puffins with b- bills full of either sand lancers or anchovies or something like that that's neat yeah that's
0: neat one thing uh, i'll coming in on for a landing. Um, once, uh, quite a few years ago, probably 15 years ago, we went up to Mallard Larkins. We were backpacking with a bunch of boys in our church. Uh, and we got up there, we set up camp in these big, these mountain lakes like tarns up there. And, um, I was just too wiped uh, out after the first hike to, to go hiking the second day. So I just hung out by the lake and Anybody else wanted to hang out at the lake and, you know, do some, um, exploration with me. Yeah, Where other guys that had more energy would be hiking up peaks and stuff like that. The mountain And I even. was, I was, uh, with several of the guys and we were skimming along the shore of this like beautiful day. And, uh, I caught this valley garter snake and they're a real handsome garter snake, um, uh, you know, with, uh, bright yellow. Light yellow to whitish stripes on the side, and then dark background, and then orangish red blotches just above the the lateral stripes. And they're just a, a neat looking snake. And I caught it, and I, but there were so many it it was cruising the side of the the shoreline looking for food. And so I thought, well, he's hungry and there's all sorts of frogs around. So I knew he was hunting the, uh, Columbia spotted frog they mm. were all over the place. And, but I, you know, it wasn't natural, but I had a, a wild snake and wild frogs. I caught a frog with my hand and with one hand, I held the snake up. And with the other hand, I held the frog. You pulled a Marty Stauffer. <laughs> I like it. did, <laughs> <laughs> And right in my hands, I mean, this snake just, Grab
1: that. Oh, frog. that is cool. Yeah. That is super cool.
0: I mean, it was an unfair advantage. Yeah. I mean, I did not give the frog an ex- opportunity for to escape. Probably. Yeah. So the snake <laughs> just grabbed this frog and just knocked it right back and swallowed it. And then I grabbed another frog and I think it ate two or three frogs in a row. They weren't huge frogs. Yeah. But yeah. It was just uh, amazing. Right out of my hand. Oh, I was that's holding. awesome. It was pretty, pretty amazing. And then I let it go. But the one thing that uh, I think is a take-home message, you know, besides reflecting on the fact that, you know, all this predation is is something that we have to be mindful of. It may be very interesting to us. We sometimes watch with fascinated horror, especially if it's a big wildebeest being taken down by a, a crocodile or a lion. Usually, it doesn't. Offend our sensibilities when it's just a little insect. Right. Um, you know, but we still have to realize that God made plants. It's just sort of hard for an ecologist to get their head around that, that plant, plants were the sole food source. Mm-hmm. But the thing that True. I think was the take home today is we sometimes are content with just looking and identifying. like I'm reading a book right now called Meadowlands. Which is written by an Englishman who, or Welsh, uh, it's, he he lives right near the border of Wales in England. It's uh, my daughter bought it for me for Christmas. We were over in England for Christmas, and and just a small, you know, farm um, where he has hay and cows and pigs and chickens. But he's a naturalist too. Yeah, and it's just really neat because often when, even if we like the outdoors, we just look at a bird and we go, okay, let me identify it. And that's great, but that's just a start. Uh, identifying it, what what's the species, but we're sometimes so intent on just identifying that we miss out on all of the behavior. And I would really, really encourage us all, if we like nature, is to spend some time Looking at what these creatures are doing, whether it's feeding or, you know, look at, look at the subtleties, look Mm. at the, you know, even flight patterns. And some birds are bound, flapping, you know, there's different flight patterns, there's different courtships, there's different feeding behaviors. And a lot of this is just right out in your backyard rather than just say, oh, that's a roly poly when you lift up a rock. You might look at Study what they're, look at what they're doing. Yeah. You know, I think it's just a little bit more fulfilling to, to not just check something
1: off your, your list. No, absolutely. Absolutely. I think we tend towards distraction. Yeah. And, uh, this, this is kind of a, a call to fight against that. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. Good stuff.
0: All right. Well, thanks, Gordon. Yeah. Yeah. It's good to. Good to see you. Yeah, good Glad to see you, Glad to be back too. in Moscow. All, all right, right. Next take time. Care. Bye. Thank you for listening. And remember, for all your homeschool science needs, go to noeoscience.com. That's N-O-E-O, science.com.